Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, quarantined in D.C., and today my guest is Hank Gilbert. He is a Democrat in Texas running against Louis Gohmert. This guy is freaking awesome. You are going to love him, love. I'm going to give you his website right now. Basically, it's just hankfortexas.com. So that's Hank and then F-O-R, texas.com. Go there, check him out, listen to this show, and then tell a friend to donate. What It's $5. Just give him five bucks. And then have their friends tell their friends and so on and so on because as he explains, he is in a particular district that is, is crucial to turning Texas blue. And right now, there are a number of people who are not registered to vote. He's working on that. I know he talks about that. But regardless, this, this guy is so just wonderful. He's a wonderful candidate. He's a wonderful guy. And he's so funny. You're going to absolutely love him. So please, 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 I am serious about this. Please donate to him and tell a friend word has to get out because this guy we need to first of all it would be so cool to see him just totally beat the as he calls him the idiot Louis Gohmert but he's he's so real and he's so down to earth the interview was about 30 minutes please listen to the whole thing because especially at the end he has something absolutely fantastic to say about what he will do when he is elected and when he goes to Washington and what he'll do with other Democrats. You're going to love this guy. So, all right, I'm going to stop going on. I'm going to be real short today and say the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. I don't have corporate backers, and I don't use advertisers. It's patrons who keep the show going, and if you enjoy today's show, just take a look at the About page of my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash startmeup. You can see some of the guests I've had. Tons of political people. There's a bunch of actors. Occasionally when I interview an actor, sometimes I just focus on their craft alone because I used to be an actor myself. But most of the time we kind of combine actor, you know, acting and, and, and social issues or political issues. But I've talked to a bunch of different people and here's, here's my deal. Every Monday and Wednesday I do a free show. And then I do two patrons-only shows per month. So if you sign up, let's say, for 4 bucks a month, you're going to get both, or I should say all the free shows, delivered to your email box so you don't have to go searching for them. And then you also get one of the patrons-only shows that I do, which are a little – those shows are a little bit more personal. We still talk about politics and social issues and all of that, but sometimes we just – you know, whether it's sharing personal stories about our life or just you know, being – being honest about our feelings or whatever it is. It's just more personal. So if you sign up for $4 or more per month, you get those two free shows, plus you get the one patrons-only show. If you sign up for $5 or more per month, you get everything delivered to your mailbox, all the free shows and the patrons-only shows. But don't be limited to the tiers that I've created. I have $1 tier, $5 tier, $10 you can sign up for any dollar amount you choose. You just look at the top of the tier when you, when you click on it, and it will give you the option to choose that dollar amount. You can also visit the Patreon description of this show, and you'll find my email address, which if you want to do a one-time donation, you can just utilize PayPal. And I would be ever so appreciative. And you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. So just stop by Apple Podcasts, and while you're there, become a subscriber because it's free and that would be awesome. And then also you can give me a review. Don't forget podcasters and authors, which I am both love and need reviews. So reviews are extremely important. The, the, the ratings are important. Everything that you do 
is so much appreciated. I so appreciate all my patrons, and I'm just so excited about Hank, so I'm just going to stop talking now. Please enjoy my conversation with Democratic Texas candidate Hank Gilbert. Welcome to the podcast, Hank. Hey, thank you for inviting me. Glad to be here. Well, I'm really glad you're on the show. And before we get into the questions, could you please uh, just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Because you're an interesting guy. <laughs> well, I don't know <laughs> that I'm that interesting. Uh, I think you are. I'm a lifelong East Texan. Grew up right here in the district that I'm running in. Uh-huh. I've uh, been in the cattle business my entire life. I was a high school agriculture teacher, graduate of Texas A&M University. Uh, I've been a small business owner for over 30 years. I uh, have a service company. Uh, my wife and I started a charity for abused women and kids about 10 years ago because she was abused as a young adult right. herself. And we help furnish homes uh, and whatever these women need to uh, to start over and to date, I think we've done a little over 650 homes. Wow. Yeah, uh, I was going to 650 women that. that we've helped get a new start on life. And my wife passed away be three years ago this coming September oh. 1st. And she made me and my sons continue to do this, hmm. promise to do it, or she'd come back and haunt us. And I, <laughs> I know how vindictive she was. So naturally, we've kept on doing it. Oh, uh, that is so sweet. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's pretty much my life in a in a nutshell. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to ask about that um, um, charity that your wife started. That's absolutely amazing, and it's so wonderful that you guys are are continuing that on. Um, I know you make a joke, but that's just, it's wonderful um, to do that. And, and I, I really, you know, I mean, I appreciate that, that you guys do that. And I also appreciate that you're running against Louis Gohmert. <laughs> that is so awesome. And, you know, I know so many people listening to this podcast are like cheering you on. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was brought up to, you know, to give back and, yeah. and for years, you know, we, we struggled to get by and, and had kids and we taught them you know the same kind of values and we yeah. got to a point in our life where we could give back and and you know that's what to me makes the world go around you mm -hmm. know if we had more people that uh uh and i realize times are hard for a lot of people mm -hmm. but times are really good for some people too yeah and uh you know if more people you know just paid it forward I think our I think our country and our world would be a whole lot better place. But but one of the people that you know is a huge impediment to, to us moving forward is this idiot that I'm running against. Uh, <laughs> yes, you he know, is. That, you know he doesn't have sense enough to know come here from Sikkim, but uh, <laughs> but he does know you know where his bread's buttered. So <laughs> yeah, he kisses the butt of the king every day and, uh. and doesn't do a damn thing for the constituents of this district or the people in this country. Wow. Wow. I just, I love your style. And, you know, I've got this list of questions for you, but when you're talking to me, um, I'm jumping around and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, because uh, as far as, <laughs> as far as idiot Louis Gohmert's concerned, I just, first of all, I want to know what inspired, I love that you call him an idiot. What inspired you to run and specifically run against him? Well, my I ran for, I was a Democratic nominee in 2006 and 2010 here in the state of Texas for Texas Agriculture Commissioner. And, uh, you know, I'd never done anything like that in my life. And, mm -hmm. 
and uh, had a real good outing the first time. You know, ran statewide on $88,000, mostly of my money. Wow. And uh, got almost 43% of the vote statewide, which was hmm. by far more than any Democrat had received uh, since 1994. And it stayed that way until Beto ran for Senate in 2016. Mm-hmm. He finally eclipsed my, my number. But, wow. But uh, I had kind of given up on it. My kids were, you know, getting ready to go to college and, you know, I needed to devote some time to the business that my wife had been wanting me to run against Louie. And I said, you mm-hmm. know, I, Mama, I think I'm just tired of this stuff for a while. I need a break. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to be at home. This was after she had passed away when the Mueller hearing came about. Mm-hmm. My oldest brother served in Vietnam, and I know how how that affected his life. He mm-hmm. ended up dying at the uh, age of 58 mm-hmm. from complications from the war and other things. But, but uh, you know, I, it didn't take a genius to to realize that Robert Mueller wasn't the same Robert Mueller once he started testifying Right. that uh, a lot of us had known through the years. And and both sides went in there with an agenda, and, mm-hmm. and they pretty much got their points across. But the one thing that I admired was, regardless, Democrat or Republican, they all thanked him for his years of service, not only in the military but to the, to the country, mm-hmm. until it came to Louie. And Louie started off hollering at the man yeah. in his five-minute tirade. And by the time he got through, he was screaming at him and never in that five minutes ever asked the man a question. And uh, Louie's a, a, a veteran as well, uh, even though he served in the JAG Corps. He didn't see active duty, but he served in the JAG Corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way he treated Robert Mueller, which is so disrespectful, and, and I tell everybody this, and there's, and there's no – this isn't made up. About 15 minutes after Louie stopped his tirade, I heard my wife whisper in my ears that Hank, it's time. Wow. And, uh, and wow. about 30 seconds later, I was on the phone calling some people wow. that had helped on my campaign back in uh, 2006 and said, y'all aren't going to believe this, but this is what I'm fixing to do. And they were all excited, jumped on board, and it just took off from there. That's so cool. I love that story. Um, I heard you on the Daily Beast podcast with Rick Wilson and Molly Jong Fast, and you said that this is a, a winnable seat. So, like, what has you believed that? What's the latest polling? What's going on there? Well, this, this district was established in the 1800s, and it's been a solid Democratic district. You know, this was the vast majority of this district was Charlie Wilson's old seat. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, Max Salmon had it for a number of years as well. And it's a, you know, fairly fiscally conservative district, but it's been solid Democratic until Tom DeLay, you know, redrew the district lines after they'd already been done back in 2004 and, and got Louie elected. Um, but, you know, I, I, in my business, I work for a lot of uh, Republican people. And they tell me all the time, said, you know, we're really fiscal conservative Democrats. We just hadn't had anybody else to mm-hmm, vote for mm-hmm. because he's not really had a, an opponent in the entire time he's been in Congress. Uh, but he does now. And so a lot of those people are moving in our direction. Now, we have taken two polls through PPP. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was early on, showing just a little north of 45 percent popularity in the district. The last one we took a couple of weeks ago showed him well south of 45 percent, hmm. closer to 40 percent. Um, so it's it's a winnable district. Hmm. Uh, it's a winnable seat. And the, and the positive thing about this, you know, Speaker Pelosi came out and endorsed my campaign you know, seven or eight weeks ago. Uh, the only one that she, so far to our knowledge, has endorsed in the state. Wow! And she put some money in her in her coffers, and and she's helped a lot since then, and and, and has uh, 
pledge support going forward uh, because she realizes the importance of this district. You know, Texas is trending blue, mm -hmm. and the majority of the people live in the major metro areas mm -hmm. of Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, uh, and the Valley. But they've, they've got to have this East Texas component mm -hmm. in order to flip the state. And so I don't have any doubt that when I win this race in November, come 2022, when the statewide races occur, that we're going to turn Texas blue. Wow. Uh, because of this district. That's how important this race is. <sighs> and, of course, once we turn Texas blue, you know, the last time yes. it was blue, it was that way for over 100 years. Right, yes. Uh, and we turn Texas blue, then I know that, uh, you know, that I can die a peaceful death someday and mm -hmm. know that uh, – that uh, the Democrats will hold the White House and continue to hold the White House probably the rest of my life wow. if we can flip this state blue. Well, I saw that you tweeted that there's a path for Biden and Harris to win Texas, and it runs through your district. You said, we have in excess of 30,000 eligible but unregistered African-American voters in my rural, rural East Texas district. Um, I know mm -hmm. that you also tagged Beta O'Rourke. So is there an effort to get those folks registered right now? There is. You know, the national NAACP is putting together a program to get uh, to get resources out to all the local NAACP chapters across the state. But they're they're really focusing a lot of concentration on East Texas. Uh, we have uh, uh, Chuck Roca, who was instrumental in Bernie's campaign mm -hmm. in his Latino outreach, oh, wow. is originally from Tyler. And Chuck reached out to us and he's. He's very eager for this district to be flipped, and, and I think it's going to help us a lot in, our, in the Latina outreach because the numbers you just mm -hmm. quoted was just African-American. Right. There's probably an equal number of Latina voters uh, throughout this district uh, that don't participate, that are eligible to participate. So, you know, our, our work ahead of us is getting our message out to those people, getting those people registered, getting them to the polls, uh, along with the the – the soft Republicans and moderate Republicans, particularly those mm -hmm. college educated uh, who are sick and tired of what's going on in mm -hmm. this country. I mean, you're seeing it. Uh, if, you, if you paid any attention to what's going on with the televised national convention, yes. all the prominent Republicans that are coming out and endorsing the, uh, the Biden Harris ticket. Yeah. Not, not because they necessarily believe in the democratic values mm -hmm. moreover, because they believe that it's going to take a sense of normalcy and leadership to straighten this mess out that this narcissistic uh, regime uh, has created in this country. You know, we're, we're only a step away from, from losing our democracy yeah. to an anarchy and, yeah. uh, you know, that old tagline, this is the most important election <laughs> of your life. Did you hear election cycle after cycle after mm -hmm. cycle? Uh, so much so that it's become a worn out cliche uh, is very prevalent to this particular election. Yes. I, Probably I more totally, so than any in my lifetime. I totally agree. And I've been saying that, too, uh, in, in the same way you have, because, yeah, we we say it every election but this truly is for so many reasons um and you know i don't know if you saw my pin tweet i used to live in soviet russia and you know i i understand what it's like to live in a police state uh, not that i think mm -hmm. we would become i i don't believe we're going to become so soviet russia but you know what would happen was would be more like a current oligarchy kind of style russia mm -hmm. that america would turn into and so yeah i mean there's no coming back from this if trump 
is reelected for any reason, whether it's cheating or whatever the reason is, there's no coming back. So that really scares me. But what I wanted to ask you, and I know I'm going to sound naive here because I kind of am. I, I grew up on both coasts, right? So I, I, I lived um, in Maryland and that's where I live now. But I lived in Maryland until I was nine and then I moved to California and was between both of those coasts basically my whole life. So I've never lived in a red state. And I'm just curious, what is it like to be a, a Democrat in Texas now as opposed to um, what it what it used to be like, or at least like maybe what it was like during the Obama or the W, you know, Bush years? Well, the only difference is under this president, because he's he's really propped up and really pushed the white supremacist message, mm-hmm. uh, as has Louis Gomer. Mm-hmm. Is that you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of basically uneducated whites that that like that message? Mm-hmm. You know, when I grew up, this was a democratic state. The entire South was democratic. Wow. Um, now, granted, they were mostly physical conservative Democrats, or mm-hmm. what they call blue dog Democrats. Right. But but it was a democratic state. Uh, the tide began to turn, of course, with the passage of the of the Voting Rights Act, mm-hmm. and, and uh, then when the schools integrated in 1970, um, because I lived through that integration. I grew up in predominantly uh, uh, African American part of this county. As a matter of fact, uh, we were the only white kids on the bus. Hmm. But but we didn't we didn't realize that. I mm-hmm. mean, it 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 didn't make any difference to us. We we grew up never knowing the difference between color. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I tell everybody, I said, you know, I grew up in little old country Baptist church. And my best friend, uh, in the world, uh, was a black kid that I grew up with. And I said, I spent half my time in his house and his church. Hmm. And he did likewise to me. Yeah. Uh, because we didn't, we never thought about it. And right. when we integrated in 1970, I was going into the fifth grade and I was as scared as the black kids were. Cause I didn't know any of the white kids either. Um, <laughs> uh, but you began to see, and all throughout the rest of my time in school, from fifth grade till till twelfth grade, you know, you you just saw a lot of uh, uh, violence and discourse in a lot of the schools mm-hmm. uh, because of that integration. You know, getting to to know how everybody operated and how everybody worked, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the South has always been pockets of racially charged uh, people, and and we have that in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I had an event up here on the town square about three weekends ago that was basically, I, it was just a protest Portland rally. I was protesting the fact that, that this idiot was sending uh, troops in disguise into our cities and telling our local police, you know, the local police to get the hell out of the way. We're fixing to take over your city uh, because that's just, you know, that's a one step to authoritarian rule is yeah. to start sending people like that into into cities and uh somebody paid which we've we've kind of narrowed it down to who we think it could possibly be paid a bunch of paid protesters to show up so we had about 200 people walking around the square with long guns and waving confederate flags and you know they were part of neo-nazi groups Mm -hmm. there were some militia groups there there was a bike you know a national bikers gang some of them were there you know, they were there just to disrupt what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it ended up turning slightly violent. And, you know, some people are, are finally getting uh, charges pressed against them. And then and the police are, pre- are not pressing charges against some. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, it's uh, that's the environment that we live in. But but I will say that it is a small minority mm-hmm. uh, of people in this state. Just like I think it's a small minority, just pockets of people uh, throughout the South. But one thing it did do, it opened the eyes of, of a lot of these uh, moderate uh, Republican people because our phones have been ringing off the mm-hmm. wall. These people calling wanting to know what they can do to to help get Louie out of office because wow. they knew that Louie was uh, in some respects behind what uh-huh. happened up there. Wow, that's insane. <clears throat> um, so what would you say, like, not just Democrat, not in a partisan way, but – Mm-hmm. What do Texas voters want overall? I mean, do you think it's just basically fiscal responsibility with, you know, like a liberal social attitude? You know, I, I, I think that's a small component, but I think that component is getting smaller by the day. Mm-hmm. I think what they want is is more of a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. in our country. Yeah. I mean, you look back at some of the best times that we've had in this country, maybe not the best economic times, but the best times for the majority of the people is when we had two parties that could work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yes. not only, I mean, they, they fought and they had their little pissing matches and all this <laughs> kind of stuff, you know, uh, during the day. But at the end of the day, they got stuff accomplished that helped the majority of the people. And they went out to the bar, or went out to dinner together. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't happen anymore in yeah. Washington. Um, and it needs to. And that's what I hope to, to help bring right. back along with uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris uh, to help reestablish back in Washington. But our needs here in East Texas are just like they are mm-hmm. in a lot of parts of uh, other parts of the country. You know, the high cost of prescription drugs mm-hmm. are killing us here. You know, this this area has become a retirement area mm-hmm. uh, because of all the lakes and the, the hospitals and the things that we have uh, and, the, and the climate. I mean, you know, we don't have a, a lot of terrible weather here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and of course, Texas leads the nation in the most uninsured people in this particular district is the second largest district in the state other than the Rio Grande Valley in the number of uninsured people. Wow. That's uh, a lot. So we've yeah. got to figure out a way to get the, to get these people covered, yeah. uh, to drive down the cost, the high medical cost and prescription drug costs. And I'm putting together now uh, some legislation to, to rule in these GPOs and these PBMs uh, that would drastically reduce our medical costs and our prescription drug costs. Uh, which Louie, of course, you know, votes with big pharma. Yeah. He votes with, with everything that, that continues to, to increase those costs. And he's voted over 100 times against the Affordable Care Act uh, to knock people off mm-hmm. of insurance. You know, he's, he's like uh, Trump and so many of these other uh, Republicans that want to see it go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. Well, the high cost of, of insurance or lack thereof and the high medical cost is what bankrupted this country Mm -hmm. over the last couple of decades because people couldn't afford to pay it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I saw that you've been tweeting about the rural hospitals in trouble in your area. Oh, they've all closed. Yeah. I mean, out of, out of 20, some during this administration out of 21 or two, uh, rural hospitals that we have in this state, five of them were in this district and they're all closed. Wow. And they closed primarily because they, they they couldn't keep the doors open because people that they were having to treat didn't have insurance, mm-hmm. and they were having to eat those costs. I mean, one of the big hospital conglomerates here that, that I've actually been working for, my company has worked for for almost 30 years, basically was about to file bankruptcy when they got bought out. 
<laughs> because their debt, I mean, they were just millions and millions and millions of dollars in debt because yeah. of uh, indigent care, having to treat people that were uninsured and, and not having, you know, because our state was has been run by Republicans now since 1994. Naturally, they weren't going to take the, the federal Medicaid dollars uh, in the Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. because a black man came up with that plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just hard for them to swallow the fact that a black man could be smarter than them, uh, which he is every day of the week and three times on Sunday. But they're too damn stupid and proud to realize that. So because of that, the people of this state have suffered. Yeah, well, I just love the way that you communicate. I just I just have to say that, um, you know, I want to switch this over. Obviously, Louis Gomer had covid and evidently he's fully recovered. So. You and you tweeted that he's still being irresponsible and pushing unapproved and untested drugs. Um, so I want to ask you about this. Let's just say both you and Biden win, please, please, please. And <laughs> Biden calls for a national lockdown to flatten the curve, which I think he should do. But the concern here is there's going to be people, the GOP and the red states and all that, they're not going to wear their masks. So, I mean, what do you think would happen? Like, if, if in, in your state, if we have a democratic leadership that calls for a lockdown where it's like two or three months, everybody gets some kind of, you know, whether it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much I think everybody should at least get $2,000 per month while that would happen. Plus make sure everybody can stay in their homes. Um, But there's always going to be people who do not want to wear a mask or to socially distance, or they're going to go cough on people. So my question is kind of twofold. Number one, what do you think the response would be in Texas if that were to happen? And number two, um, what would you do or what could you do to enforce any of those rules? Because I know it's really hard to enforce. Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our uh, governor and our leadership came out, you know, we, we were closed for the shortest period of time of mm-hmm. any other state. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know our our governor likes to likes to kiss the ass of the king too, uh, but but eventually you know he had to backtrack and he came out several weeks ago, and uh, announced a, a statewide mask order. Mm-hmm. Well, I think every county in the district that I'm running to represent came out and said they were not going to enforce the mask order, yeah. and weren't going to enforce the penalties associated with it. And because of that, you've seen this area of the state just blow up as Mm -hmm. far as the number of cases and the rising number of deaths. Uh, But there are still people out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I talked to a woman that that I've known for years uh, and have respected for a long time last week. And she said, you know, this is all going to be over November the 3rd. And I just looked at her and I said, tell me that you're kidding. She said, no, she said, this is all just the Democrats doing. It's all going to be over November 3rd. I told her, I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way because you're wrong. I said, but on a positive point, I want to give you credit for acknowledging that Trump and all of his dumbasses are going to be gone after November 3rd. (laughs) I said, but here's the thing. The virus is not going to be. And and, but that's just like Louis Gomer, you know, taking hydrochloroquine and and, and zinc and the Z-Pack and the whole nine yards when it's been proven that that doesn't help to stop this. Yeah. But he's he's propagating that ignorance mm-hmm. because just like he says and like Louis says, we love the uneducated. Right. Well, yes. that's the only thing propping this regime up. Yeah. Is the uneducated and the very, very rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the science behind it proves otherwise. 
you know, I don't know what the side effects are for hydrochloroquine. I know if it destroys brain cells, then it's going to be a non-starter with mm-hmm. Louie because he has very few left to destroy. So I don't know what is what the, the consequences or the side effects are going to be. But uh, but the fact is it doesn't work. You know, it's a it's a malaria drug, and this yes. virus didn't come over here in the ass of mosquitoes. It came over here in the body of humans. So even an Aggie should be able to determine oh that a mosquito-carrying virus drug will not work on, on this. But but that's that's the mentality that we have to deal with. And when you talk about a shutdown, yeah, I mean, the only way to, to snuff this thing out mm-hmm. is to shut everything down and to do it for a long enough period of time that the thing goes away on its own. Mm-hmm. But, and that's just common sense. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, not a lot of people have common sense. No. And if we tried to do that in the state, oh yeah, there'd be thousands upon thousands of people who would not adhere to that. Mm-hmm. Even if you, you know, threatened to lock them up, they wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that because they don't, it will continue yes. its cycle, and, yeah. it, and it is a cycle. Mm-hmm. But what's even scarier than that, Kimberly, is the fact that even when a, when a vaccine, no telling how long down the road it's going to be, mm-hmm. is developed, those same people are not going to take the vaccine. Yeah, true. That's you true. Know, because yeah. they're, you know, they think there's going to be a chip in it where – you know, the government can tell what nobody yeah. gives a damn where you go <laughs> or who you see. And there's already I mean, a, there's already a could, chip in there. I they mean, have a phone. Less what some bumpkin is going to be doing on a Friday night, you know, out in the bushes somewhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's chips in their in their ATM cards. They've got phones that can be tracked. That's, so I know. I mean, if you own a cell phone, you, they can determine right where you're at. Exactly. They can tell where you, what, what toilet your fat ass is sitting on and what room in the house. Oh, I want you to win so much. Oh, my God. You don't even know. Um, I know Molly Jongfast said she was obsessed with you, and now I am, too. You're just so <laughs> awesome. I love talking to you. Um, I think, let me see. Um, yeah, I think this is the last question I have, but I, one of the things that I saw that you're doing right now is an ask me anything segment. And so I have maintained for some time that democratic leaders should totally utilize social media so that they can educate about what they're doing and remind voters of their successes like the ACA and social security and Medicare. So I just want to know what your experience has been. And if you are elected, are you going to continue to keep that door open? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I I held five public town hall meetings before coronavirus hit, and I had 60 of them planned. Mm -hmm. So now we're doing everything, you know, virtually. But, you know, Louis Gohmert's held one public town halls in the 16 years he's been in Congress, and that was in his first term. And that meeting got so rowdy (laughs) that he vowed he'd never hold another one because he feared for his safety. Well, three weeks ago, I was surrounded four deep about two feet around me with guys wearing long guns and pistols and calling me everything in the book but i still got my message out because that just emboldened me it didn't scare me because my bible says fear no man and i know louis was raised on the same damn bible so i'm beginning to question his christianity (laughs) but uh but you know no i i believe in keeping the public informed i mean i tell everybody i'm i'm running to be your voice Mm -hmm. Because I actually, at a, at a point in my life, that, that I have the time that I can devote to this where you don't. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to step up and be your voice. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do like old Ralph Hall. He was my congressman growing up here. 
as a Democrat before they scared the hell out of him and made him switch parties and changed his district up. But but uh, he used to send out a letter twice a year, once in the spring and once in the summer, of all the bills that he knew that was going to come up in that session. He gave a summation of the bill and then asked people to call him and tell him how he needed to vote on that bill. Hmm. Well, a lot, I don't imagine he got a lot of calls because back during that time, you know, it was a long-distance call to call yeah. from here to Washington, D.C. And, hell, that could be a meal's worth of, of right. money you're going to spend to talk to him. Uh, but now, hell, you can call anywhere and you can see who you're talking to on one of these newfangled phones. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to send it out to every voter. How do you want me to vote on this? I want your opinion. And I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to send a copy of every one of those bills to the library in the county seat of every one of these towns because I don't want you to take my, you know, all you Republicans that doubt that I'm telling you the truth. I don't want you to doubt my ass. I'm going to send the bill down there so you can go (laughs) read it yourself. If If you can read and you got the time, it'll be sitting in that library for you to read. Yeah. Uh, wow. and, and, and cause I think there should be true transparency and true accountability. And we've got to remember that, you know, the word representative means something. Mm-hmm. It's not just a title. It right. means that you're there representing people, whether mm-hmm. they voted for your ass or not, <laughs> you're still there representing people. And, uh, you know, I take that to heart and yeah. that's, that's the way I intend to, uh, to be as their representative. And I believe you. I totally believe you. I, I again, desperately want you to win. Um, I'm, you know, going to ask people to donate to your campaign. Which, by the way, where where can people do that? Because I think when they, if they listen to this, they're going to want to give you some money. Well, if they go to my website, it's Hank for Texas, F O R Texas, um, and there's an Act Blue link there, or there's an address to our our campaign. Or if they go on uh, Facebook or Twitter, it's Hank for Texas, but instead of F-O-R, it's the number four. Okay. Uh, and they can uh, visit us through those links as well. Uh, you know, one thing I will say, Kimberly, because you touched on this about Democrats just don't do enough bragging or, yeah. or informing people of, of what they're about and what they do. I've said this for a number of years that, you know, it's time for the Democrats to crawl out from under that rock. Yes. You know, Republicans have a, a, a mean type mentality mm-hmm. uh, in that they they think they can domineer through fear mm-hmm. and and antagonize people. And I see the likes of you know Jim Jordan and and mm-hmm. even Louis Gohmert sometimes mm-hmm. when he's coherent. Uh, <laughs> you know that they, they try to push their weight around like you know they're the anointed people. Yeah, and you know. I told you I'm a cattle rancher and, and, uh, you know, I've, I do, can do just about anything with a, with a cow. And, and, you know, a couple of times a year, we turn our little, uh, bull calves into steers, uh, for a reason <laughs> to kind of take their mind off of other things. And, and I tell everybody, I said, you know, when I go to Washington, I'm going to take a whole bunch of brass balls with me. And I don't mean the kind you roll on the floor. And I'm going to keep them in a box in my office. And I'm going to invite all the Democratic members of Congress to come by and get a pair. Because it's time we start slinging our pair around and tell these Republicans that, hey, you ain't the big dogs. Yeah. Okay. And we're not scared of you. Yeah. And we're going to get our message out. And you can either like it or you can go sit in the damn corner and pout, but, but you're fixing to shut the hell up. 
that's perfect. And I, you know, again, aside from just wanting you to be a leader in Texas, yes, that would be wonderful to have you in Congress and to encourage because it's so true. I so many, you know, I was so upset in twenty. 14, when so many of the Democrats refused to praise Obama or to praise the ACA and to say, hey, look what we've done for you and look what we've accomplished. And, you know, there's one thing about being humble and prideful, but come on, as you said, there is this meanness coming from Republicans and they are bullies and they just try to use fear and intimidation and straight up lying. Well, Kimberly, you, you, you may not be old enough to remember this, but, but I am, you know, the same thing happened when, we tried to pass or did pass Social Security and Medicare. Hmm. The Republicans throwed a hissy fit mm-hmm. for years and years, and and some are, and some Democrats ran away from it. Mm-hmm. You know they didn't yeah. want to own it. Uh, but and it took several years to get all the kinks worked out, just like it's gonna, going to go into with yes. the Affordable Care Act. But now you couldn't pry, you couldn't <laughs> take Social Security and Medicare away from Republicans. Mm-hmm. Okay, even right, though it was a yeah. socialistic program, they'll never admit that no, it was. No. But you couldn't take it away from them. And I'm telling you, once once we get the Affordable Care Act worked right, yeah, and we get it, you know, a public option or something else available for everyone else, uh, a decade from now, it'll be the same way. You won't be able to take it away from Republicans. Yeah, yeah. So we need to brag on our accomplishments, and we need to continue to work for the people. And let the people know what we're doing for them, because believe me, the Republicans don't want the people mm-hmm. to know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it's so refreshing to hear you, just to hear a Democrat, a Democratic candidate talking like this. It's again, I just please win. <laughs> well, baby, I'm going to tell you something about me. Okay. Okay, and this may be hard for some people to understand, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a change in Washington, but you don't ever have to wonder what I'm thinking. Because I'm going to tell you, and, and I'm going to tell you in a dialect that you will understand the first time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, where can, okay, so what is your Twitter handle? It's hell out of me. <laughs> All I know is the site. Hank Texas. I think you're, I'm going to look it up right now as we're speaking, because I think, uh, I think you're just Hank Gilbert. Yeah, it's Hank for Texas, like it's you said. Prob- probably so. It had to be pretty, something pretty simple. Simple. So yeah, it's Hank and the yeah. number four Texas. So that's your at, yeah. uh, at Hank for Texas. I'm going to include the link to your Twitter in the Patreon description, as well as where people can donate. And everybody needs to donate to Hank because yes. Sure do. Cause we're getting ready to start, uh, you know, buying up TV time and yes. we a few dollars short, so we need all we can get. All right. Well, I'm going to do my best. So good all luck right. to you. Thank you for being on the show, and I, 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 I want you to win. So good luck to all you. Right. All right, Kimberly. Well, thank you for having me. And, and hey, all your listeners, get out there and let's win this thing because we need to stomp out stupid. <laughs> let's do it. Stomp out that stupid. All right. Take care, Hank. Thank you. Bye bye. Oh my God, I absolutely love him. I love him so much. I apologize for saying wow a lot, but he just like he kept wowing me and I just couldn't help myself. I had to actually stop myself from saying wow. So again, Molly Jong Fast did say at first that she was obsessed by him, but now I'm completely obsessed by him. He's so freaking awesome. He should be like teaching other Democrats how to communicate. I love his Texas style. I love when he said country bumpkin. Oh my God, I just fucking love it. So yes, he's he's wonderful. And everybody needs to go to Hank for Texas, which is Hank and then F-O-R. 
So HankForTexas.com, give him some money. Because wouldn't you love to see him defeat Louis, G- Louis Gurm? I can't even say a stupid name. The stupid idiot's name, Louis Gomer. Oh, my God. That would be so fucking great. I would love that so much. And I know you would, too. So we have to do this. So, you know, podcasts are limited, right? You have a certain number of people listening. Please tell your friends about this. Give them the, you know, give them his website. Explain why he's so awesome and explain that this particular, um, where he's running this this district is so important because it, it could make... Texas blue. And he said, the last time that happened, it was a hundred years. Let's do this. We could do this. I, I like want to dedicate all of my time now to helping him win. He just he 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 definitely got me all excited because he's I, I think he's great. Just what he's doing uh, as far as charity to help women who have, you know, had struggles, help them furnish their homes. That's amazing. I also can't even like that story about his wife whispering in his ear that it's time to run. What a great story. What a great candidate. What a perfect example of American diversity. Because obviously he's not your progressive Bernie Sanders type, but I think he's very progressive. And I think he's just, like I said, he's representative of this country. He's just one person with such a kick-ass attitude. So cool. I I just, I love him. But I mean, he's making me feel so patriotic. I am I am totally bowing to his feet right now. So, okay, I'm going to stop doing that because you guys are, like, going to say, shut the fuck up, Kimberly. <laughs> but that was great. That was great. I'm so glad that I got to talk to him. Um, outside of that, let's see. I don't even know. I, I, I'm, like, swimming in this I want Hank to win world right now, so I don't know if I can say anything new. I did keep the intro short. And I think this is going to be it. I think I'm just going to say, you know, go ahead and follow me at author Kimberly. K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, that extra E. You can also go on to Amazon and check out my author page. I have Peyton's Choice. That's about abortion, teen abortion. I have The Virgin Diaries, which is a collection of stories of people who had first-time sex and what it was like for them emotionally, as well as physically, but mostly emotionally. And there's also American Woman, The Pole Dance, and Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Pain of Heartbreak. So go ahead and check those out. I am going to go donate to Hank right now, and I encourage you to do the same. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.